Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1. (coughs) Jeremiah 18 and verse 1. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. And I want to preach on this subject here today, the potter's hands. The potter's hands. Jeremiah's story of the potter's house is probably one of the greatest illustrations of what it means to be a human being, to be a sinful human being in the hands of our merciful God and the picture of his love and his plan for our lives. In this passage from Jeremiah, the clay represents us, mankind, all of us, and the potter represents God. Amen. When we read our Bibles, And you go back to the creation account in Genesis. We see that God formed Adam or formed man from the dust of the ground. And ironically, clay is really dust and water. But he formed Adam from the dust of the ground as a perfect man, as as a vessel of honor. But as we always do, man fell into sin. And sin, which always paints an enticing picture, but it's always been our enemy. Sin marred the human race then, just as it still does here today. And because of sin, mankind became a vessel of dishonor. And the scripture says that the Lord began to work in our lives in a little bit different way. I want to say this about sin. Don't forget this. Sin always brings dishonor. Amen? Not only to the vessel itself, but ultimately to God. God could have just given up on us and allowed us to remain in that fallen state, but thank God he didn't, amen? You see, because we would have just remained a broken, flawed vessel because of our human nature, and and a vessel that could only continue to bring dishonor to ourselves and to our Creator. And, And it's important to know that as clay, we cannot make ourselves into a new vessel. We can't. We don't have that ability. We can't, and, and, and we can't recover or redeem ourselves from the damages of sin all by ourselves either. That ability lies in the hands of the potter. That ability lies in the hands of our creator, the one that has the ability to do with us as clay as he sees fit. And today I am so thankful to God 
for his great mercy that he chooses to reclaim us and not just cast us to the side. Amen. I'm so thankful for the hands of a potter that cares for us enough to look past the scars, to look past the mistakes, to look past all the flaws and say they are still my vessel and I'm going to make them a vessel of honor. Amen. See, although we're flawed, we can become a vessel of honor through the power of Jesus Christ and his ministry of reconciliation in our lives. Thank God for the caring hands of the potter. You see, each one of us, (coughs) we have a God-ordained purpose, and each one of us can be shaped by the hands of the potter if we will allow him to do so. It's important to understand That so many times we look around and we can see imperfections, not only in our own lives, but unfortunately, we see it in the lives of others. I think sometimes a little bit too quickly. Even in people in the church, we look around and we see the flaws, and I think sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. Amen? I've heard people talk about how church folks hurt them or let them down or the church failed them. But I want to say this with love. The church didn't fail you. Somebody in the church failed you. Come on now. Or maybe you got hurt on the job. Your job didn't hurt you. Somebody hurt you on the job. And because we have to recognize that even in the church, we are flawed vessels. And if the church has flawed people, and it does, by the way, if you've been here longer than five minutes, you'll figure that out, right? (laughs) You might be one of them. I don't know. It's a pretty good chance. See, it doesn't make the church a bad church. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually says the opposite. 2 Timothy 2 and 20 says this. It says, in a great house, there are what? Not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some what? For honor, some for dishonor. It says that in a great house, there's all kinds of vessels. Some gold, some silver, some wood, some clay. I always, if I could just be a little transparent, it kind of irritates me a little bit when people look around and they go, well, there's hypocrites in the church, or there's people who have addictions in the church, there's people that do this and do that in the church. Well, of course there are. It's a great house. Hallelujah. We've got vessels of wood, vessels of clay, vessels of gold, vessels of silver. We got people who got it together, and then we got the rest of us. Amen. That's the body of Christ. Clay in the hands of a potter. You see, if the church has a few hypocrites here and there, a few people that are struggling here and there, a few people who could stand, we used to call it, they needed a good praying through. Everybody remember that term? Growing up, we used to say people needed to pray through. Amen. Man, you need to just pray through. You need a Holy Ghost. You need God to change your life. Amen. It's still great because it's the body of Christ. And see, what makes it great is no matter how perfect or imperfect we are, if we're willing to allow the potter to shape us. I just noticed that thing spinning around. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, not, not the first time I've noticed Well, I just realized that's like the potter's wheel. Amen. And we just got to, now don't worry, I'm not going to climb up on that. Amen. Because it will stop spinning immediately. But we've just got to allow ourselves to be put on the wheel. 
We've got to allow ourselves, and we've got to be honest enough with ourselves to say, you know what? My vessel is flawed. My vessel has cracks in it. My vessel is dry and it's broken. And my vessel, which was a vessel of honor, has somehow, because of sin and poor choices and bad attitudes and toxic thinking, come on, somebody. Somehow now I've become a vessel of dishonor. And the reason I wanted to preach to you today was to tell you, guess what? The potter is here and his hands are available to mold you and make you again if that's what you want to do. Amen. Why don't we give God some praise right now in this house? Hallelujah! I'm thankful for your hands. We have to be willing to allow the potter to shape us when we need it. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. But see, that's the challenge, isn't it? Keeping ourselves pure. Keeping ourselves, our life clean. Keeping ourselves available for the master to do his work. See, because if you try to do right, if you keep yourself pure, if you keep your life clean, according to the scripture, the Bible says you're going to be ready for the master to use you. Not just, but a special utensil set aside for honorable use. See, when God created Adam, he had a divine purpose in mind. God didn't design Adam just to be a vessel of dishonor, although he did know that Adam would eventually sin. Amen? God created Adam, though the Bible says in his own image, which was, which was holy and righteous. All the work of God's hands are good and beautiful. Amen? All of creation, by the way, glorifies God. God designed, though, man to be his crown jewel. God designed us to be the manifestation of his ultimate divine purpose in each of our lives. And when a potter, and using the analogy from Jeremiah, creates a vessel of of clay, he's following a plan and a purpose that he has in his mind. He already knows when he lays it on the wheel that he's got a plan in mind for that vessel. And he begins to shape that vessel on the wheel. And God does the same for us. He has a divine plan for each of us in making us in his image. See, God looks at you and I just like the potter looks at the clay. Clay is lifeless. It's without form. It's void of any real purpose until the potter begins to shape and mold and press because he sees something beautiful and useful. Amen. He sees it before you even see yourself. Come on. He planned it before you even planned it. Amen. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And God had a plan and a purpose from the time you were placed in your mother's womb. And he's molding and shaping. But see, the struggle takes place when we constantly try to shape ourselves. After our own ideals and our own ambitions and our own goals. And by the way, don't get me wrong. We should all have goals and ambitions for life. By the way, if you don't have any goals for your life, I encourage you this year, get you some goals, amen? So that you don't just wake up one day and wonder, how did I get where I am today? 
Amen. So there's nothing wrong with having a plan, but our plan has got to be submitted to the plan and the purpose and the destiny that God has for our lives. Because hear me, there's no meaningful success, and our achievements are just in vain if they're outside of God's divine purpose for what he has called us to do. But it's the potter, our creator, who makes a vessel into something beautiful. And you can't achieve your purpose outside of the potter's hands. The work of the divine potter is essential to all of our lives. Anything good in our lives is due to God's efforts. It's due to his plan for us. It's due to his hands that make us. Because every person is meant for the glory of God. But ultimately, hear me, we decide if we will allow him to shape us or not. We, 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 we decide if we're going to allow him to mold us and make us and shape us after his desire and will. If we're going to allow him to mold us and to accomplish his purpose in our world. You see, if you really want to be used by God, hear me, the shaping is the hard part. Amen? Because hear me, there is no shaping without pressure. There is no shaping without some measure of force against our resistance. There is no shaping without some pinching and some prodding and some pain along the way. Just as the potter begins to shape the clay, so God uses his hands to begin to shape our lives for his service. A little pressure here. Ah, a little pain there. Come on. A little trials here. Maybe even a struggle over here. Maybe, maybe, maybe whatever it's God is using is for a purpose. And he begins to just put the pressure on. And he puts the pressure on. And you know what I know? Nobody wants the pressure. If you like the pressure, uh, we need to sign you up for some counseling. Amen. 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 Nobody likes the pressure. But hear me, you can't be shaped without the pressure. God's hands upon our lives, bringing the right pressure at the right time in the right way in the right manifestation because God is molding the lives of people who will allow him to. He forms character in us. He instills values in us. He allows the rough edges to be knocked off. And sometimes he looks at us and the clay just, and he, then he's got to press down and begin to reshape us again. See, when we're first placed upon God's will, we never really know what the outcome's going to be. Amen. God designed some for specific things and others for other tasks in the kingdom of God. He puts all of us on his wheel to be formed. I became a Christian. I just real. I became a Christian 40 years ago, 40 years ago. I know. I mean, I, I was four. I was only one year old when I became a Christian. <laughs> Not really. I became a Christian 40 years ago. And can I tell you, my life really, it probably looks a lot different than how I envisioned it when I became a Christian. And I can't tell you how many times in 40 years I've climbed up on that wheel and allowed God to shape me. And then he had me just right, and he put me in a place for use, and then somehow along the way, he's like, how did that happen? How did you get like that? Or you're doing good, but guess what? I've got a new work for you to do, so now it's time to take the vessel you are and make you into something else. I got to bring some transitions into your life. I got to bring some pain into your life. I got to bring, I got to pull some people out and put some new people in. Amen. I got to do some things. Oh, I know that's not what you want, but that's what I know that you need. 
I might even have to allow a little bit of, 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 of some hardships and some things in your life because you've still got some rough edges. Oh, you, I know you don't think you do, but you've still got some rough edges. And I need to put the pressure on the potter's hands. The potter's hands. Mold me. Make me. Help me, Lord, to grow in the process. I want to become what you are shaping me to be. See, what an honor it is to be upon God's wheel. Because when God sees us, hear me, he doesn't just see you as you are. He sees you for what you can be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sees a lump of clay, but he also sees the finished product. And he patiently waits, and he knows that it takes time to produce the type of vessel that he desires. And you know what? He doesn't become frustrated with the clay and toss it away. He patiently works on our lives, waiting for us to yield to his love and guidance. Aren't you glad that God is patient with us? Hallelujah. How many times have we become marred in his hands? How many times have we failed him along the way? See, it would seem that God would lose patience with our lack of submission, but he doesn't. He's had ample reason to give up on all of us. You know, I'm glad I wasn't God because after Adam and Eve messed up, I probably would have thought, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and cut my losses right now. <sighs> Creation 2.0. Amen. I've got this beautiful planet here. I've got everything all together. The animals again. I'm just going to wipe them off, and I'm going to give them just a little bit less free will this time. Wow. But see, God's not like that. He gives you free will. He gives you the power to choose. He gives you the power to accept or reject. He gives you the power to be whatever vessel you choose to be. And that's the, that's the catch. We've got to be willing to say, God, I'll be whatever vessel you want me to be. Amen. There used to be a song I loved. It. I used to listen to it. I think it was... Uh, the Milton Brunson Choir used to sing it, or Mississippi Mass Choir, and it said, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say, Lord. Use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, my vessel is willing, and I am available to you. Amen. John and Charles Wesley, great men of God, were blessed with a very patient mother. At one time, Miss Wesley's husband said, I marvel at your patience. You have told that boy, I think it was Charles, said, you have told that child the same thing 20 times today. Susanna Wesley looked fondly at the boy and she said, had I spoken the matter only 19 times, I would have lost all of my labor. In other words, she says, I loved him too much to just give up. So I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it again. I'm going to press again, because who knows, at some point, he's going to get the message. And you know, I think God is so like that with us. I love them too much. I'm just going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep shaping. I'm going to keep molding. And when they mess up, sometimes I might just have to cast them down and lump it all together and pour some water and start afresh but I will not cast them out because they're safe in the potter's hands. He never gives up on us. Why this need for the ever-present hands on our lives? 
It's really simple, guys. It's because sin never gives up trying to turn you into a vessel of dishonor. Sin never stops. The marks of sin have marred mankind ever since time began in the Garden of Eden. God made Adam in a perfect place, a perfect condition, a perfect environment. Notice, Adam messed up in a perfect situation. How do we expect to be flawless in this generation? See, because all of God's, uh, out of all of God's glorious creations, mankind was the greatest. God gave us favor. He made us his chosen vessel. But sin spoiled the product. Amen? God gave Adam a companion named Eve. God gave him a free will of choice. God gave him <coughs> a beautiful garden environment, but through a series of poor choices, Adam chose to sin against God. It probably would not have been unreasonable for God to just start all over, but he didn't. He chose to take that same old piece of clay and place it back on the wheel and remake it. Folks, we don't talk about sin a lot in the church. We should talk about it more than we do. Sin always comes with a cost. Amen? Amen? Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden. Sin caused their children to make wrong choices. And the pattern of disobedience was sown into our lives. But guess what? The potter kept his hands on his creation. Why did Adam disobey God? That question's been asked for ages. Sin is always deceptive. Sin always looks good. It appeals to the flesh. It does not seem to be harmful, but it always ends badly. You know, our human reasoning kicks in, and it always plays a part in us turning away from God. Oh, it couldn't be that bad. Or, Does God really mean what he is saying there? Or everybody else is doing it. Or, oh, you're, you're just old-fashioned. You need to be more tolerant. You need to wake up. Oh, just try it once. It's not that bad. Sin promises pleasure and enjoyment, but ultimately it just brings heartache separates us from God. But thank God for the potter's hands. You see, he paved a way to reconcile us and heal us with his hands. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Hallelujah who brought us back to himself through Christ. He didn't reject us. He just came up with a new plan. Amen. I'm going to bring you back to me through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Reconcile means to restore friendly relations between two parties. To cause two parties to be able to coexist in harmony. We have been reconciled unto God by the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary. As a matter of fact, here we are, we're in the Christmas season. Do you realize the whole reason that Jesus came was so that we could be reconciled to God, so that he could die on the cross for our sins. He could shed his blood for our sins, and that we could have an eternal relationship with our Savior. We ought to give God some thanks for that right now. Hallelujah. 
Jesus' death on the cross has made atonement for the sins of all of us. And it is by the blood of Christ that we are reconciled back to God and we become a new creature, the scripture says, in Christ Jesus. Our character becomes fashioned after Christ's character and not the fallen man, Adam. Amen. The old stigma of, of sin that separated Adam from God, it's now removed through the sacrificial death of Jesus. See, God has removed man's sin through the blood of Christ. The reconciled man, we're no longer guilty because God pardons us. Atonement has been made, and we again have an opportunity for fellowship with God. Amen. 1 Corinthians, I love 1 chapter 15, verse 22. It says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. In other words, we're all going to die because we're human beings. But look what it says. Everybody who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hallelujah. We'll be given new life. See, Jesus came into this world for one purpose, to reconcile fallen man and restore our fellowship with God. That's why he came. And that's why he came as a man. Look at Hebrews 2.17. It says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. In other words, Jesus had to become human like us. Notice, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. God robed himself in flesh that he might condemn sin in the flesh. The scripture states that Christ was tempted in every point just like us, but here's where the difference was, without sin. Amen? He was victorious over sin and became our redeemer and he's reconciled us back to himself. That's why when we climb on the wheel and the potter begins to work on us again, it's because we're in this covenant of grace where Jesus reconciled us by his sacrifice. See, the question today is will you allow the potter to do his work in your life? Will you allow his hands to mold you and shape you into what he is calling you to be. I'd like to ask the praise team and the band to come on up. Will you allow his hands of reconciliation to bring you back from the damage that sin has tried to inflict on all of us? Hear me, because of Jesus, our fellowship with God has been restored. We were lost without a hope of restoration, but Christ has redeemed us. Amen? Amen. And he takes it one step further. The Bible says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation and of restoration. What does that mean? He had mercy on us, but guess what? He calls on us to have mercy on those who are caught in the sin of snare themselves. Amen? I read that passage earlier. In a great house, there's many vessels those of honor and dishonor. But did you know we have a responsibility as redeemed believers that the law of Christ says that we not only get to enjoy his reconciliation, but we are also to bear one another's burdens and offer reconciliation to others. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, kick them to the curb and tell them what a reprobate they are. No, you might want to look up and read that verse. That's not what it said. No, here's what it says. If another believer is overcome by some sin, 
you who are godly, by the way, that's the test. Because you got to be godly to do the next part. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Back onto the wheel. And then it puts this disclaimer, and also be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. See, godly people always remember, I'm just three steps away from being where they are. I'm just two bad choices away from being the one that needs grace and mercy. Come on, somebody. Come on. You might just be about seven really bad decisions for being homeless yourself. Come on, you better thank God for His grace in your life. But the Scripture says those of us who are godly should gently and humbly help people back into the right path. That's reconciliation. Now notice, it doesn't say we restore them, we just help get them on the path. I can't make the decision for you, but I can point you in the right direction. I can put my arm around you. I can love you. I can tell you that I forgive you just as Christ forgave you. I can tell you that in a great house, there's a lot of vessels. And some Sundays were flawed. Some Sundays were vessels of honor. But I want to put you on the right path. I want you to stand with me all over this house. The potter's hands are extended to our hands. Some people right now, you are going to be the potter to them, to point them in the right direction. We're to restore those who have sinned as we show kindness and love. You know what we're doing? We're ministering as Christ has ministered to us. That's why the church, I've been saying this for years, I'll say it again today. That's why I think the church, church people ought to be the least judgmental people in the entire world. Come on. We ought to be the least judgmental people in the entire world. Now, hear me. That doesn't mean you have to love sin. It doesn't mean you have to agree with people, everybody around us. It doesn't mean you got to condone some of the stuff we're seeing in our world. But my Lord, we should be hands of love and peace and so grateful because we remember how rotten and reprobate we were before Jesus. And we remember how many times, how many countless times I've climbed back on the wheel and said, Father, forgive me. Mold me. Shape me. Make me. Knock the rough edges off once again. Shape me to be what you've intended for me to be once again. Mold me, God. I'm willing to take the pressure. I'll take the heat. I'll take the circumstances because I know and recognize, hear me, there's nobody that cares about you more than your God cares about you. There's nobody that knows you better than he knows you. There's nobody that knows when you need a little press here or a little push there. Our job is to just get on the wheel and say, Lord, your grace will sustain me, and I give you praise. So today as we close this service, two things I want to mention for this altar call. Number one, 
Those of you who just need to get back on the wheel, it's real simple. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you're just a little lukewarm. Maybe you're just struggling a little bit. Or maybe you've never even accepted Christ into your life. And today's the day that you walk forward and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm ready. Come into my life. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I ask you to begin a new work in my life. Or maybe you're a believer and you recognize, man, my vessel has gotten brittle and gotten scarred. And I need to get back on the wheel. I need some fresh oil poured on me. I need a fresh anointing. I need God to mold me and shape me. So that's one group that I want to invite to come. The second group is this. The moment I mentioned about being the hands of Jesus to help reconcile somebody, some of you, a name already popped in your head. My challenge to you is before the end of this year, you've got three weeks the hands of reconciliation. Offer and extend forgiveness or grace or mercy. Take the high road. Be the big boy. Because Jesus has been that way for us. I'm telling you, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. The Holy Spirit is challenging you right now. Forgive. Love. Extend an opportunity. You can't make them walk the path, but you can gently and humbly show them the way. And that's all God calls you to do. So I'm going to open this altar right now. And I'll invite you to come from wherever you are. I don't know about you, man, a service like this, I just want to run to the altar and get on the wheel and say, God, I want you to mold me. I want you to shape me. God, I want you to work on my life. Would you come right now? You can trust the potter's hands. You can trust his loving hands. You can trust his loving hands. Amen, amen, amen. Come on now, that's right. God, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I want to get back on the wheel. I want to get back on the wheel. I want to get back on the wheel.
God is good. God is good. 